everybody, and welcome to episode 684 of Long Box Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. I'm Todd, along with Joe. How are we doing, Joe? Well, I'm doing great. Uh, Todd, you're obviously in an altered state today. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was something that we discussed before we went live, and uh, I wonder if you remember. Uh, I kind of went- do. Go ahead. Okay. I wonder something in particular that I said that I was going to do. Oh, okay, okay. I know what you're talking about That's now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just want to put the onus uh, on me, right? Right, right, right. Uh, but other than that, I'm doing good. I got no complaints. Um, you know, weather's kind of screwy here in northeastern Pennsylvania. You know, some mm-hmm. days it's 30 degrees, some days it's 60. So, you know. Right, down some codeine, and you won't care, Joe. Right, I'm, and I'm, I'm living by uh, my new rule. Doesn't matter how cool, cold it is outside, until there's snow on the ground, I'm still going to continue to wear my flip flops, my sandals, my slides. Uh, I'm not going to say the name brand of them because they're not a sponsor of the show, but I will right. say they are the Lamborghini of uh, slip-on footwear. I'm going to say they're not Crocs, are they? No, I tried Crocs, but uh, those. They were cooking things, and I didn't know why people put them on their feet. But anyway. <laughs> I McDonald's is doing limited edition McDonald's-themed Crocs today. I, I heard about that, but at least they're bringing back the McRib. So My story. Uh, you know what? We're It's not like we just spent 20 <laughs> minutes. I almost swore, by the way. <laughs> well, you'd have it's, to edit it out, not me. It's not like we didn't spend 20 minutes talking on After Dark this week about food, right? Right, right. But... Um, allegedly the McRib was back Monday, right? And my store, like literally I could throw a rock from my house and hit it. Mm -hmm. It, they don't have it yet. You didn't smell no McRib on the air that like that waft of cloud. That's like fingers pulling you across your yard. You know, it's, it's not on the app. Oh, well, can't be at the store if it's not on the app. Right. But I thought it was gone forever, Joe. They said it was going away forever. And I believe everything told to me in a commercial. Nothing's gone forever. But where I was going to, and we'll get to the show, is that the McDonald Crocs only go up to a men's 12. Oh. Um, and in the as of like we record this, the 10, 11, and 12s are all sold out. And they're already being flipped for thirty to fifty dollars more on the uh, the shoe opportunity sites. You're not talking about the crockertunity, the McDonald's crockertunity, Joe. <laughs> I am now. Okay, okay. Would you like to know what's on the show? We can get around to that tonight too. Yeah. What do we got on the show today? Uh, in news, the end of an era when it comes to digital comics, Joe. Um, delays and changes of all of all sorts in books and media. Um, and lost episodes, Joe. Hmm, we'll talk about that. Um, and we we have the new segment that's sweeping the the nation. My walk down Lois Lane by Miss Becky. Um, what we read last week, which was both Marvel Unleashed number four and Transformers number two. What we're looking forward to this week. An old classic, Todd and Joe Have Issues, where we reread uh, Neil Gaiman's Sandman. And this week, it's uh, Endless Night, two stories, uh, The Dream and The Despair Stories. Um, Finally, uh, a spoiler-filled talk of the latest episode, uh, the last episode of Loki, and uh, the Marvels movie, which I refuse to call Captain Marvel 2, like some jerks on this podcast do. (laughs) It's, It's Captain Marvel 2. 
Um, it's called The Marvels. Excuse me as I push up my glasses. <laughs> when I went to my dirt movie theater and I said, three for Captain Marvel 2, please, they knew what I was talking about. Right, and they went, this guy. <laughs> this guy. Smuggling in the two-piece in his jacket. <laughs> they know me well. That's they know right. Me well. It's the guy who smells like chicken all the time he comes here. And he also happens to have chicken with him. Mm-hmm. That's so Unrelated true. things, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so you had started off by saying, uh, end of a, an era when it comes to a digital thing. And, you know, obviously this is something that I think we all foresaw coming, and that is Comixology in name is going to be done. Right. Um, when Comixology got purchased by Amazon all those years ago, it sucked. I'll be completely honest with you. Right. I liked having Comixology be its own separate thing. And for the last like two to three years, they tried real hard to make it its own separate thing and failed at every turn. And uh, Amazon just announced as we record today that they are sunsetting the Comixology app on December 4th and everything is going to be available through whatever your Kindle app would be or your Kindle web browser or however it is right. that you access your books through Kindle. Um I, I haven't looked at the interface in quite some time, uh, probably since February of last year, 2022 was the last time I looked at anything. And that was the beginning of when there was a lot less DC digital stuff out there. DC doesn't have the digital codes. Marvel has the digital codes, which I like to have. And Marvel's unlimited app at that time, February of last year, started integrating that into their app as well like even if you don't have the marvel unlimited subscription as right. long as you have an account or a login you can access everything that you've redeemed there forever right mm -hmm. uh so with this news i know you're not a digital guy i'm not a digital guy but it's a nice option to have right um i always like to tell that story of the the thing that got me to first purchase my digital comics was when i'd found out about tony bedard's rebels book Right. And I was getting it in trades and I was really enjoying it. And then they go ahead and solicit the last trade and then cancel the solicitation for it. And I'm like, well, this is an underordered book. Nobody has back issues of it. I don't, you know, the trade of it, the final trade of it's never going to come out. And I can get the digital copies super cheap. So that's what I did. And like there's digital exclusive stuff and things of that nature. But I will say, I looked at the Kindle, the way that it's laid out, and it's better than I remember right. when I looked at it a year and a half ago plus, right? Right. Um, of course, I have, like, my own little, like, quirks and coibles with it and the way that the layout works. Um, but that's just the way that any sort of digital thing is going to present books to you. Right. Um, and the other thing is, you know, and because it's the first time that I've looked at it, you know, sales are back. And we're not going to do a regular dedicated thing weekly like we used to do of like, oh, here's the free things um, and here's the sale things. Because obviously the way that the Kindle works is if you have Amazon Prime, there's stuff that you could lend from them right. to read at no cost as part of your Prime membership. Um, if you have Kindle Unlimited, which my wife has, that's like a next step above that. And because we have the same account, I technically have Kindle Unlimited. So there's stuff that I can get from that. But it's more so like all the back catalog stuff, 
right? Right. Uh, all the stuff that I had been purchasing or acquiring or redeeming digitally over these last, you know, eight, nine, ten years, whatever it is. Um, but, you know, they, they, they really tried their best to make the interface work. And it, it sucks that Comixology is gone, it, like, in name. You know, it was... Comixology was cool for a while, and then, you know, Amazon bought it, and it, it exists, but it ain't the same. Right. I mean, I like I said, I don't have much with this myself, because I did do Comixology for a bit, but I never bought a book in my entire life or redeemed mm-hmm. one. I did a lot of the free, like, free comic book day stuff, the, like, the the... KFC books. Um, I remember when we were doing to, uh, past Todd and Joe have issues. I needed, I couldn't find my Astro City one half, and that was free on there. Right. So everything I redeemed was free. Never put a credit card in. Never did anything. And to tell you the truth, now to go find it, I, I own a Kindle, and I love my Kindle. Um, I wouldn't even know how to get to all this to get the stuff that I redeemed free so i don't know but um i do remember like you you know the sales that was really cool giving people information and uh either free stuff for sales and people could try stuff um but hopefully you know you like it all that'll come back around again and we'll see where it goes you know yeah for sure um like i said it was uh you know a bit of a bummer to see it go uh, a couple people reached out to me and they're like oh you see it's finally done and i'm like yeah, sadly, it's finally done. It is what it is. Like, we, we should have seen this come in quite some time ago, but here we are, you know? Right, right. Uh, so, again, the news section is the bad news section this week. I've got some bad news. Oh, spot on impression. Right. Uh, so, the Marvel uh, news is more delays of movies, right? What? Um, the writer's strike is over. But, of course, with the delays of everything, allegedly things needing, you know, days and weeks, if not months of uh, reshooting, mm-hmm. um, the next slot of movies, which was the summer of 2024 stuff, right. is all getting moved back. And I say the summer of 2024, um, Deadpool, Captain America, whatever, three? Would that be Captain America? Three? Four. Three Captain was, America. yeah, it was Winter Soldier, then Civil War. Good gravy. Um, Thunderbolts and Blade are all getting moved back yet again. Mm-hmm. Um, Deadpool just getting moved back, like, into the later summer. Uh, Captain America, Thunderbolts, and Blade all getting moved to 2025. Right. The funny thing about the Blade one, uh, the new date for Blade is literally two years to the day of its original announced release date that seems like a bit of a push for it don't you think it certainly does yeah i mean he he got mentioned all the way back in like i think the end of the eternals movies uh like there was a voice his voice so we didn't see him but like that's like three years ago since he was kind of hinted at too yeah. you know what i mean but. still have not seen and will not see uh Eternals. You know what? You're missing out, man. You're missing Am out I? possibly the most boring Marvel Cinematic Universe movie. Cool. Right. But definitely the one that means the least. How about that? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. Uh, so that's Marvel, you know, comic side they're doing okay. No issues, no concerns, nothing really to worry about. DC, on the other hand. 
as we sat here and speculated several weeks ago in regards to a possible turnover in regards to hardcovers versus trades, there have been some trades that got canceled again. Uh, the current Black Adam book, which had the hardcover and the soft cover of the first volume, the uh, second volume of the book uh, got canceled completely. It was never going to have a hardcover. The trade got canceled. Um, so you got to go find back issues on that. Um, a couple of the bigger end name hardcovers are seeing increases in their price. Right. Um, and then a lot of the other, there's a Shadow of the Bat book and a Tales of the Amazon book that were originally supposed to be trade paperbacked and right. now are just coming out in hardcover. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It doesn't sound great um, that DC is canceling so many soft covers of stuff, but they must be doing it for a reason that they're not selling, that they're seeing enough of a turnover rate that people are picking stuff up. The Black Adam stuff, I don't know. I didn't read it, but it goes back to the thing that I mentioned before with the digital books at Rebels, where I was collecting something, and then they just canceled the last trade. Now, granted, Black Adam is trade number two of two, where Rebels was trade number seven of, you know, whatever, right? Right. Yeah. Maybe they're going to, like, I, I don't know, put them all in those manga-sized stuff now, cheaper. Who knows? Mm, maybe. I was talking to a local retailer about that. Right. And, um, and he, he seems iffy on it. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, just as a follow up from last week, you know, we were kind of like, Hey, this is really cool. Right. And he had mentioned to me and he even showed me that Marvel is, and has been doing these for quite some time. Right. Kind of like, uh, not like doing a big press release or doing a big push. Like DC seemed to be doing from the news story we did last week. Right. But it's more or less like, here's not a manga size and here's not a di digest size. It's on slick paper. It's full color. But it's a lot of Silver Age stuff. Like, here's the first, like, 20 issues of the Fantastic Four. Here's right. the first 20 issues of Avengers. Here's the first 20 issues of Amazing Spider-Man, right? Right. And he said they sell fine. They're not, like, gangbuster sales. But they're not something that's... They're something that's typically only sold through comic shops. And I really felt that what DC was doing with their push was to try to get it in bookstores and other places where those sized collections of stuff would be right but to you know and to be fair like you know every everybody loves like the the silver age marvel because that's what created everything but like to give that to somebody new like you want because that's what this is supposed to be it's supposed to get new readers in and you're given a nine dollar manga size trade or whatever you know like have you ever read silver age comics joe like they don't hold up to a modern reader I know a lot of old, you know, readers are like screaming at me right now, but like Watchmen's different. If you do it with Sandman, it's different. If you do it with Preacher, it's different. It's these books that have like, that have transcended, you know what I mean? Like Batman will always sell. So that's a little different. Um, so I could see it maybe working. Like if you start with pedigree books, so, but we'll see. I don't know. I, yeah. I'm no, you know, marketing major. So I just want to touch on that because we were talking about, you know, we were talking about DC with their trade uh, uh, deal there. Uh, mm -hmm. Now, not not that just trades are getting canceled and delayed. 
uh, single issues and solo books are getting delayed. We talked again a couple weeks ago in regards to the uh, Superman Last Days of Lex Luthor book that Mark Wade and Brian Hitch were doing. Mm-hmm. Second issue of it was supposed to come out in October, got delayed to October. Now it's indefinitely postponed with all previous ordered orders canceled. Right. Fables, the last issue of that, which, again, another book that we talked about, a little bit bigger of an issue behind all of that, everything that Bill right. really am, his fighting with DC in regards to that. Uh, that's another book that is now canceled, quote-unquote, to be solicited at a later date. But DC's site, whatever that is, has it as a release date in February. Mm-hmm. So we shall see there. And then just as we mentioned last week, something that I didn't even know was a thing was the uh, Battle Roar sound effects variants of the Justice League Godzilla King Kong books. Right. They were supposed to come out alongside issue one, like the regular versions of it. Like here's a couple dollar more variant that has the the sound effects. Did you see a couple more dollars? I think they were like a dollar or two more. I think I know what the problem with this is. Uh, they're fifteen dollar comics, Joe. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> but go ahead. Okay, so again, it's a couple. Do- well, isn't the the main book? I think like five or six dollars. So it's a couple. Sure, three Not times. Three, but go ahead. three times as much. Um, so they were supposed to come out alongside the regular solicitations of issue ones. Then those particular covers got delayed by like two weeks. They were on the ship. When I went to our store on Wednesday last week, again, I was there for a while. We were talking about them. And he goes, oh, yeah, they're on the ship. uh, They're on the ship list for next week. And then that Friday, it came out that they're like, yeah, they're indefinitely postponed now. Right. Um, So I have a feeling that maybe they didn't get enough uh, orders for them or... As you mentioned, nobody wanted to buy a $15 comic book uh, just to hear Godzilla go raw and King Kong go raw. Right. Um, um, yeah, so, yeah. So they are $15. They're like $14.99 because um, I just looked it up because um, they were discussing that at the at the, the, the shop today. And, and I'm like, I think it's two reasons. I said, one, it's a $15 comic just for something to go roar. You know what I mean? I'm with you. I love Godzilla. I love Kong. There's a new, you know, uh, Godzilla minus uh, one or minus zero, whatever coming up. I want to see that. But it was like a $50 comic. Then think about it. All right. So that's like one of those Hallmark cards that that you open and has the little sound effect in it. So like in 20 years, is that, is that battery going to be dead or whatever? You know what I mean? Like, it's like, okay, so I have this comic that doesn't roar in 20 years, and then how does CGC grade that? Oh, we talked about that with the book with the sniffs last the week. The sniffs. So now it's like, it, it, you know, does the roar work on the label? You know, I need that. And But our retailer was like, I said, I, I don't think it's coming out. I really don't. I think the price point and this – and he 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 kind of went off on a like a whole thing like how like variant covers sell for everybody, so he would not put it past people like to just buy up this book. And I'm and I'm thinking to myself though, like because different people were chiming in, and I'm like I I don't know. I just feel like this is a different group of people that than you know like Marvel zombies or DC. I, I don't know. I just I don't. 
I don't get this variant, but I hope it comes out and I hope it makes millions of dollars for retailers. Right. I hope it sets the standard and it changes the comic book market. Mm-hmm. And it's the, the new boom period like we saw 32 years ago. Mm-hmm. And hopefully nobody learns the lesson from that. And then everybody starts having $15 variants that shoot confetti and tell you a story and reads itself. And all this other jazz. Yep. And that's great. As long as you got my three ninety nine version of the book there, I'm cool. Yep. I think they should do a variant for each of the senses. You know what I mean? We already have the smell one. Right. Obviously, every cover is a visual one. We need a taste. We have the sound one that they're Lick the blood. On. Lick the blood. And now we need a feel. Like, we need, like, it to be, like... Like moss, if it's swamp thing, something like that. That, and then you're all good, you know. Now, are we talking about just the cover, or are we talking the entirety of the book? Ooh, if swamp thing was moss all the way through, right? That would be good because I know when they did the absolute. All joking aside, the the book you slipped out of the slipcase had like a moss like texture. It was it was it was really cool. So, um, we we need more of that. I'm down with that. And I guess last but not least is, a you know, it's TV news, I guess. But, you know, it's a, something that we talk about and cover on the show. And right. uh, Todd was nice enough to remind me, uh, looking at the schedule of things and stuff being delayed. And I'm like, oh, man, we watched Captain Marvel 2 this week. And we, got, <laughs> we watched the season finale of Loki. And I'm like, man, we don't got anything until Aquaman comes out for like another month. I was great. I got nothing hanging over me that I got to watch for the show that I got to make sure I get it in before we record. And then Todd's like, no, no, Joe, don't worry. Next week, we don't have one. We don't have two, but we got three Doctor Who anniversary specials to talk about. Right. But they'll be out each Saturday. So it's not like you'll have three in one week. So you're good. Right, luckily. We're, we're all lucky when it comes to Doctor Who. Right, but I know, course, you know, but go ahead. I know there was uh, some discussion I saw it popping up, but I pay no mind. Again, it's Doctor Who. I guess doc, the, the Doctor Who stuff, and this is probably something we talked about a while ago, and I've said this a bunch on the show, but again, it's the show that, that we do, um, that Disney Plus is going to have the Doctor Who st- stuff on it. This is the first year that they're going to have, like, new Doctor Who stuff as it happens, right? Right. They're going to have everything going forward. And actually, something that was never mentioned is they're calling it like a new season one. Like it should be season just 14 or whatever. Right. But they're like, just because it's coming new to Disney Plus, season one of Doctor Who. And with that, I guess, depending on what time zone you're in. Mm-hmm. If you're in uh, some of the Asian countries, right. you're going to get Doctor Who before the BBC folks get it, which and is that- typically the way that it was supposed to be set up, right. was that BBC gets it first and then it rolls out everywhere else. Right. For a small portion of time, it would roll out at like a time on BBC. And then depending on the country you were in, like, because it would be like six o'clock over there, we'd get it at like two o'clock in the afternoon. Do you know what I mean? Like, they'd be like, you can have it. We'll rerun it again in prime time, but we'll do a simulcast at these times until you 
kind of got like past Hawaii, then then they stopped it. But it was like, okay, we did that. But usually it was BBC got it first, and now it's like for the I think the the Brits are going to be up in arms, Joe, up in arms. But they don't have any guns, so we don't have to worry. About it. <laughs> They're going to hit you with those little sticks that the bobbies have, right? Yes, yes. The truncheons, I think they're called. Uh, so it, it, it makes it easier for me that it's on Disney Plus that I could just watch it there. Yep. And I don't have to worry about tracking down a completely legal copy with subtitles in it. Yeah. Disney Plus is pretty good about having subtitles and stuff, you know? Yep. Pip, pip, cheerio. It's going to say and stuff like that. So you right, can read it. Right. And but, then I uh, guess, right, there was some other Doctor Who news that you wanted to discuss as well. Right, that there's rumors um, that they found new, because new lost episodes, like of the ones, for anybody who doesn't know, like the first Doctor and the second Doctor, you know, from 63 to like 66, 64, I don't know when the second Doctor left, but they BBC had a policy of like we they, they taped the shows and to save money on a lot of stuff they would tape over uh, stuff so they could use the tapes again or they threw them out so there's a bunch of Doctor Who episodes missing and over the years they've been found because they would uh, parcel them out to like PBS and other like a lot of in the Arab world there was episodes would go or tape or film or whatever and they would forget to send them back. So they were lucky enough to like find them. And a few years ago, somebody found like a couple episodes and they went to like wherever it was. I think it was in the Middle East. And they're like, oh, yeah, we have them. And then all of a sudden, a few of them were missing. And it was like, oh, because collectors are buying them up at like like rich collectors are like, I have a piece of history that nobody's ever going to see. And now we're finding out that people back in the day at BBC maybe like took the tapes home because they didn't want them destroyed. And People are saying they have them, but it was illegal to steal stuff from the BBC, so you can get in a lot of trouble. So people are afraid that if they give the tapes back, they'll get in trouble. So people are pushing BBC to give amnesty, be like, you know what's going to happen? If people do have these tapes in their house, in 5, 10 years, these 70, 80-year-old people who work for the BBC are going to die off. They're going to clean out their garage, and they're going to be gone again forever so just give amnesty and if these other people have other parts of their collection like other tv shows they're worried about having their collections possessed from them taken away and it's just like just shut up and go get them and you'll be able to sell these on dvds and and doctor who fans will pay a mint to have these lost episodes and that's where we are we're fighting over what to do with the people who have these episodes okay now i did a little extra sleuthing on this and it does state here that there's a Twitter account. And again, Todd, I know you listen to so many podcasts. It's uh, it's uh, the Missing Episodes podcast. Right. Uh, specifically tweeted out saying that John Franklin, the person who was quoted in the article in The Guardian, uh, wanted this podcast to release this statement on his behalf. And essentially the statement is, and again, I'm not going to read the whole statement, but the quote from John Franklin states that the piece in The Guardian is a, quote, misrepresentation of the conversation between myself and the journalist. For now, it seems as though those episodes of Doctor Who will remain missing. Oh, no. Yes. Um, So, again, I guess that's why you can't trust everything you read and whatever it is, but... I, I'm always so fascinated 
by the fact that this is a show, Doctor Who, that's been on for 60 years, 60 years. And there's just entire swaths of the show that are missing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, obviously, you know, I look at it similarly to the way that, you know, I, I look at wrestling. Like, there's rare footage out there that people have only seen once. It only aired once. And it was one of those situations where in the late 70s and early 80s, a, a promotion would tape their TV and they'd put it on the bicycle and send it around to the four or five different territories. And then once it got back to the main territory, they would just tape over it, right? Right. And there's so much stuff that's lost in that way. And I get that. You know, these are a bunch of carny people trying to like save a buck here and there but at what point when doctor who is on it's on for like one year two years three years four years i can go kind of all the way up to 60 i can show you how smart i am i don't i'm when i have to take off my shoes uh but like somebody goes you know we should uh we should try to preserve some of these and i know we didn't preserve the last like two or three or four years, we really should make a concerted effort like today to start preserving these. Just so you, just so you have an idea, um, 97 half hour episodes are missing. That's how many episodes are missing. That's a lot. That is a lot. That is definitely a lot. And it makes me, Joe, do you know how sad that makes me? Again, if only there was a podcast that you could listen to and commiserate with other like-minded individuals in regards to the sadness over almost a hundred episodes of Doctor Who that are just lost to time. Yes. And I'm and I hope the the irony of that is not lost, pun intended, on you and the other Doctor Who fans. Right. <sighs> From 63 to 69, they were erasing episodes, Joe. <sighs> right. So, again, six years, okay? Year two, year three. Yeah, let's start saving these, right? Yep. Somebody says no, it goes on for another year. Now can we start saving them? At that point, if I'm that guy, I'm clandestinely saving the episodes for my own personal collection. Right. Um, I think we've talked about this. You know what? Because they put out a lot of them animated. Animated. Um, with uh, using the shooting script so they knew the shots and the angles. Do you know what I'm saying? Right. Uh, um, but a lot of young kids tape recorded the shows. And there was a lot of like geeky kids who had like their own recording units. And they were recording right out of the back of the TV. So there's a lot of great audio of these missing doctor like they have audio for all the missing doctor who episodes right all of it but they so they were going back in flash animating them to sell and i guess who was buying them as they did that uh me so uh they we can get like what was missing in those episodes somehow yeah but i would like to get a faster than light spaceship go out to the edge of space and collect those broadcasts as they were coming out and then i would bring them back and be a hero that's my dream if i could do it joe <laughs> and again that's a very selfless dream i would say very magnanimous of you todd if i'm if i'm nothing if not selfless joe right uh, so there's no conventions this weekend, which is very strange. Like there are conventions, but no name guests. 
Um, right. Probably I, with Thanksgiving coming up, you know, there are people who want to be traveling and then coming back and eating their giant turkey legs. Yeah, I was feeling the same thing. I, I didn't look at next week's list either, but I have a feeling that next week is going to be slim pickings for conventions as well, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, you know, no conventions this weekend. That doesn't mean you still can't check things out over at soon to be named network, uh, soon to be named network.com, soon to be named network.tumblr.com. Uh, anytime any of the shows go live, uh, certainly you can find them at their own individual websites, their own individual podcatchers. But of course, everything is available in one stop, soon to be named network.com. And that also includes what any of the other folks from these shows go on other shows and they let me know about it i certainly am going to share that with you uh, our listeners and that of course includes this show Longbox heroes Longbox heroes after dark uh final wrestling place we need wrestling at odds with wrestling puzzle warriors three profane arguments wings on wings uh hayabusi and i always i feel bad i always neglect to mention porch talk um, Porch Talk kind of went sideways after uh, Grand Theft Auto happened, Joe. I, I was hoping you would have blamed the weather, but sure. Right. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. We should uh, twitch those Grand Theft Autos. That would be fantastic. Oh, my goodness. You guys could twitch it through StreamYard and learn two technologies at once. I'm mm. here for it. I would be the StreamYard expert on the soon-to-be-named <laughs> network. <laughs> uh, but you can check out uh, some of our other friends in and around the internet as well. Go check out our friend Mike Sterling on his blog, ProgressiveRuin.com. Uh, check out our friend Kevin at HellionsTeam.com. Go check out our friend Rick Williams at FreeKarateChops.StoreEnvy.com. Jason Sandberg's Jupiter is available uh, a la carte up on his Indiegogo. You can check that out. Uh, Chris Runt's Battle Monsters, his self-published comic, is available up on his site, FortressOfComicNews.com. Our good friend Davey of the band Cave People. Remind me, not Davey, someone else. Uh, but Davey uh, has a website up for his self-published books, uh, Mending and Keeper. You could find those over at CaveDomainComics.com. And if you do not have a comic book shop in your area or you do not have a good comic book shop in your area, let our shop be your shop. Comics on the Green, we have the Facebook page linked up. Anytime the new books are going to be in, going to be late, books coming on Tuesdays and Wednesdays now. Thanks, Lunar. Uh, whenever <laughs> Dave stumbles upon uh, classic hot-off-the-press mint Silver Age graded 9.8 books. He usually puts pictures of them up online at the site. And of course, you can sign up for the mail order subscription service. Get your stuff mailed to you weekly, bi weekly, or monthly. Mm -hmm. And uh, now I'm uh, going to turn things over to our good friend Becky for the new segment on the show uh, My Walk Down Lois Lane. Welcome back to My Walk Down Lois Lane. This week, we're going to cover issue number 59. It is from 1965. And the front cover has Lois Lane catching a dynasty-level slap from Superman's mother, Lara. Because in this issue, she travels through time and she homewrecks his family. Let's begin. It starts with Superman in the Fortress of Solitude, looking through the Phantom Zone to make sure his enemies are where they're supposed to be, when he sees a stranded Lois Lane. He asks her how she got there, and she tells him it's kind of a long story, and we flash back to a few days earlier. Lois is at a conference, where a man has built a tower that will prevent the destruction of Earth. She thinks this is a fabulous idea, and if she can somehow get it to the people of Krypton, they won't all die. Not really taking into effect that Superman wouldn't be sent to Earth, and then she couldn't marry him, but, you know, good intentions. 
She finds a scientist with a newly minted time machine, and she borrows a Kryptonian dress and Kryptonian gravity boots from Jimmy Olsen, who happened to have them in his closet. I, I don't know why. She travels until she finds a 20-something Jarrell and Lara doing science-y things, gives them the plans, tell them that Krypton is going to blow up, they should probably do something about that, and begins to leave. Her machine has broken down, so Lara generously says that she can stay at her place until they figure it out, and this is around the time Lois realizes that Jarrell is a dead ringer for Superman. She begins to sabotage the dates between Lara and Jarrell, first sending Lara to a beauty parlor where her hair is dyed green while Lois takes her place at a dance. When Lara shows up furious, Lois tells her that she's the best dancer because she's lighter than air, turns off her gravity boots, and flies out the window. Jarrell saves her, tells her that she's silly, and Lara calls her something I probably shouldn't repeat on this show. The next date they have is at midnight at the park. Lois switches the dates on the calendar and then takes Lara's place again, hoping that Jarrell will make out with her, see that she's the better woman, and want to date her, and this time the plan works. She begins dating Jarrell as he fixes her time machine and builds the tower in the middle of the city of Candor about five minutes before Brainiac shows up and puts the entire city in a jar. Lois realizes at this point that if she dates Jarrell any longer, Superman will probably never be born. The planet's going to blow up anyway. And so she leaves, telling Lara, you know what? He probably never loved me anyway. Good luck. She travels forward enough in time that a baby Superman is playing on the front lawn while still under the care of Jarrell and Lara. As she runs up to Superman and begins to hug him and kiss him in a way that the police should be called, Jarrell has finished his brand new Phantom Zone gun. He shoots it out the window as Lois is flying away, and she gets trapped in the Phantom Zone. Superman, now back in our time, releases her, only for her to think, if I had continued dating Jarrell, I would be Superman's mother. Now, this issue, and a lot of the issues, tend to be fairly cheap if you want to find one for yourself online. The most expensive ones tend to be the early ones, or the first appearance of Silver Age Catwoman, which is issue number 70, and then issue number 106, which I will cover at some point, called I Am Curious Black. Tune in next week when I cover more of Lois's nonsense. So as Becky mentioned, thank you very much, Becky, and you can check out her social media, which we also have linked up here in the show notes as well. And if you're ordering stuff from the comic book shop, Comics on the Green, whether it be just something even off eBay or weekly subscription stuff, there's a chance that you'll get a sketch on the package from our good friend Becky. Um, man, man, those Lois Lane comics are pretty crazy. Yes, they are. That that wacky Lois, Joe. Oh, um, my God. What will she do next? Well, I I'll be, I know what she's going to do, at least for the next two weeks here on this show. Um, right. But I, there's so many that, like, have a reputation. Mm-hmm. But this is one I'd never heard of, the one that Becky talked about today, with uh, her trying to steal Jor-El away from his wife. Yeah, the logistics don't pan out on that one too no. much, Joe. But Uh, I'll say this from hearing, you know, her talk a lot about Lois Lane comics. And I mean, a lot about Lois Lane comics. (laughs) um, I've like, I know the gist on, on, on some of the great ones. So uh, yeah, they're not too much of a surprise for me. And I may be putting a request in before all these are over. So we'll see. That's between you and her, you know? What she has, she a request for her to cover a specific story. Yeah, specific. My favorite Lois Lane story. Okay. So. Well, like I said, that's going to be between you and her 
more than not, she has an edict from me, and she's, she's going to get an edict from you, and we'll see what she d- decides to do, right? Right. Well, she's. this is her segment. She could do what she wants, exactly. and who knows? Maybe people start asking for stuff. You don't know. She's going to become the star of the show. So I, I'm okay with that. That sounds like more work for me. Oh, wait. No, that's horrible. Well, at least it's less work for me. So Right. No matter what happened, it was less work for you. Don't you think I've, I, this is how I angled it for what now? Almost 10 years? Something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, hey, uh, let's get into what we read from this past week. Uh, Todd, where would you like to begin? I'd like to start with the book we were both looking forward to most, which was uh, Marvel Unleashed number four, the final issue, written by Kyle Starks, art by Jesus Hervez. Um, this is the final battle with uh, Blackheart, you know, getting ready to release his, you know, uh, demon army upon the earth. And it's up to the, uh, the the pets, the Avengers, to make that one final stand to, like, hopefully we can get Lockjaw up and, you know, Abel and he can help us. But until then, we're going to hold off uh, these demons from going through the portal. And that's pretty much the most like of of the issue uh they're they're doing it it's like you know is is you know throg gonna get his hammer back um you know d-dog is like you know they're telling him we can't hold the the portal and he's like no we don't give up you know because d-dog has the biggest heart in the marvel universe um and i don't want to give too much away but because that's just basically what this book is about is the big battle and then how it all turns out you know i i don't, I don't want to say too much maybe blackheart doesn't win you don't know you have to read it but the the ramifications from this um did not well everything did not go exactly the way i thought things were going to happen um so you know some some characters get you know the, the the their story told and everything like that and then it goes off to leave open-ended for like you know the pet avengers to be like oh you know we were underestimated but wherever evil is you know we'll fight it um you know like i said i don't want to spoil anything about this but this i mean we've loved this book from issue one issue i love issue one i love issue two i love issue three i love issue four there's nothing better to say it has you know a middle beginning and an end uh I don't know. I don't want to say too much, Joe, because I don't want to give anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. All I'll say is if you've been listening to us discuss this book over the last four months, there was something that was intimated that we talked about, you know, kind of tiptoed around about from issue one and then issue two. And maybe it gets paid off in issue four, right? Mm hmm. But that's for you to read. But the stuff that we could talk about is I do like that they leave the door open for another. Like, the return to prominence of the Pet Avengers, right? Right. Um, I like that we get the bit where Red Wing finally sees Flurkin do its Flurkin thing. Yes, it's like they have their moment of, you know, being resolved. Right. Um, And obviously, if I have one lament about this book, Mm -hmm. is, and obviously it's a lot going on at the end of the book with the big battle, with... Uh, Blackheart and everything. Um, we never see Myron go back uh, to check on his dog. He he does give the, I just want to go home to my dog, so we're good with that. Right, I guess, but I wanted to see, like, I wanted to see the, 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 them reunite. Right, the reunion. Yes. Master and pet. So. Uh, but this is definitely a fun book. Like I said, it's four issues. Um, I hope they put this out in a trade. Um, it's not like 
I like I don't remember if it was technically all ages or not. Um, but there's no reason that it should or couldn't be. Um, um, I'm holding the issue, and it's rated T for teen. Uh, I, I can see that there being some thematic elements. Blackheart could be scary to a little kid. Um, but there's there's ways that they can kind of, I don't want to say get around that, but there's a way that maybe they can soften that a bit. But this definitely should be a little bit more geared toward uh, all ages, folks, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's where the money is. Parents buying stuff for their kids, because kids ain't got no money, right? Right, right. They want the Pikachus. Yeah, Pikachu for the Pokemon. Mm-hmm. Just don't go in any windowless vans with Pikachu. <laughs> right. Um, so the other book that we read from this past week was Transformers number two, uh, written and drawn by Daniel Warren Johnson. Uh, this is the continuation of the first ongoing series of the new Energon universe. Uh, I will say that we, I, I, uh, this may be if the Energon universe explodes. Um, I'm still trepidatious about the G.I. Joe books. The fact that by within the next like month and a half, we're going to have three G.I. Joe books, the main ongoing book, a Duke book and a Cobra Commander book. Right. I am a sucker for Cobra Commander. I'm a sucker for the villains from all these shows. Right. Right. Uh, But the main crux of this 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 issue is uh as far as i'm concerned is you know we see the big thing that happens at the end of issue one and i'm still gonna kind of tiptoe around that a little bit right Mm -hmm. but let's just say we we get a um a very detailed and a very hard line drawn in the sand in regards to the way the autobots specifically optimus prime are treating things on earth Versus the way that the Decepticons, specifically Starscream, are treating things on Earth, right? Vastly different, yes. Vastly different. And, like, is it as black and white as it possibly can be? Yes. But does it work for these characters that are based on a toy line, based on a cartoon line? 100%. Um, I I like the bit with uh, Cliff Jumper and the way that he reacts to seeing humans for the first time. Yep. Um, and obviously we also get the other bit where the first issue was the Decepticons coming to life. They didn't get the full boost of Energon that they needed. Um, there were sacrifices made amongst the Decepticons to go out and boost up Starscream so he could go out and try to find everyone else energy. Mm -hmm. And obviously in this issue, the Autobots come to the same realization and, Optimus Prime is like immediately without a second thought. Well, here I have a ton of energy in me because of the leadership matrix. I will use myself to kind of bring everyone else, you know, back. And it takes uh, who's the ambulance one? Ironhide, maybe Ratchet. Ratchet to be like, no, no, you can't do that because you know you can't drain the leadership matrix. We need to find another way to do this, right? Right. Um. And again, I, I like that they're drawing this very clear line. Um, we get the first G.I. Joe person show up in this book. Is that definitely a G.I. Joe person? Because um, they they never name the person. So there's one part where you see his name on his uh, uniform. Okay, I, I mean... I Let's say not... his 
code name on his uniform, right? Oh, okay. Okay. Fair enough. Right. Um, it's like very clearly, it's a full shot in a panel that it's very clear this person. Um, oh, I see it now. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, but even if this book wasn't working for me in all of these other regards, right? It's a really beautiful book. Yes, it is. You know, it. It. I said last month when we talked about it, and I'll say it again. You know, does it look like the old cartoon? Yes. Does it feel like the old comic books? Yes. And I think that was the biggest problem. Uh, you know, obviously the cartoon back, you know, 40 years ago, we're all very old, was made to sell toys to children. And the children go to the comic book store or whatever it is. And they go, oh, I watched Transformers cartoon. I'll get a Transformers comic book. The comic book was vastly different from the cartoon. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was for a little bit m- more mature audience as opposed to like a six to 10 year old. It was for a 10 to 14 year old or whatever it was. Right. Teen but for now, teen. Yeah, but now all of those people have grown up and they're all within the same age realm and they all have that same access to the Transformers. And it's all about the look, the color scheme, all that sort of stuff the cartoon had. And it's all about the feel that it's not like mature, like it's not like rated M for mature where we're seeing like swears and like, you know, all this other stuff. But it's definitely a little bit more mature themes and I'm really liking this book. Right. Um, I, I'm with you. I like this book a lot. Um, but me, the because they give the origin, like Optimus lays down, like, you know, this world's like, wh- how did you get here? And he basically talks to Spike. He's like this. This is what happened. So I'm like, OK, that gives, you know, everything you need to know. But when it comes down to it, this episode issue is about uh, two things. Cars driving really fast and family joe and that's never been done any way shape or form better <laughs> than family and fast cars than this transformers comics um but yeah i'm having a blast i'm with you on the lines that are drawn the the decepticons are ka rule in this like like scary cruel and i love it and just as equally, like you said, the Transformers are caring. And it just like it just shows we have the good guys and the bad guys. There's no gray areas here. And uh, sometimes I like that in my comic. The Decepticons from the cartoons and even the comic books had like, you know, they had a level of menace. Right. There they was were all... metal mustache twirlers. Yeah, but there was also like a dash of buffoonery to them, right? Yeah, they were like, oh, I'm going to get you, Megatron, when you're not looking. Right, and there's none of that in this book. No, 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 no. And uh, and that's and you know, and again, without giving too too much away, you know, we see Stark scream as the the lead of the Decepticons here, and that's both not sides meant to be right. I agree. And in this issue, we have both sides: the Autobot and Decepticons. Uh, speaking of Megatron in very different ways, it's a very dichotomy of two sides of the same coin in this issue, and. If you missed out on issue one, I recommend getting issue two. It's really good. Yep. Fun book. Again, it's way better than a toy tie-in comic should be. You know, that's always a... Uh, I if, agree. Yeah, if you could punch a little bit above that, that's always good. And I feel as though uh, Daniel Warren Johnson definitely feels like a fan of the material. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's what we read from this past week. Uh, let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, If you head over to longboxheroes.com, every Tuesday around noon Eastern time, we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week. 
whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, whether you get them sent to your home. However it is, you get your books, be forewarned, be forearmed, know what's coming out this week. Todd and I attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, I am currently in the lead over Todd with one correct guess. Yes. It's like we've only been doing this one week. Yes. Um, but I'm looking over your list, and is the book you're looking forward to most Superior Spider-Man Numero Uno? It is Superior Spider-Man Numero Uno. Uh, Dan Slott, my favorite Spider-Man writer of the last however many years. Mark Bagley, arguably my Spider-Man artist, the one that I grew up on, writing my Spider-Man, Dr. Octopus. <laughs> uh yeah this is this is my book mark bagley pr- pretty much on the mount rushmore of spider-man artists has to yeah be. uh just for longevity and just for recognition right also because most of the merchandise had his spider-man on it for uh-huh. the last i don't know how many years i'll i'll conservatively say 20 if not more yeah uh, like i like i said that's what i'm saying you know it was it was a lot of when he was doing Ultimate Spider-Man with Bendis, mm-hmm. and that exploded, and they were using, like, oh, Spider-Man's hot. Who's drawing Spider-Man? Mark Bagley. Let's use him, where he had already been on the book for 10-plus years at that point, like, mm-hmm. ass Spider-Man book. So, right. you know... And the then only guy like, close would be Ramita Sr. Yeah. That had, and he may have more merch, you know what I mean? Because just the longevity, but... Right. But who knows? Uh, so I'm going to ask you, looking at your list, what is Speed Force number one? Um, that is a book that goes along with the new Flash book where Wallace, uh, Wally, this is Wallace West, not Wally, because there's two different uh, Wests. And Avery uh, Ho are like two speedsters, and it's written by Jarrett Williams and art by Denalia D. Nicolo. Now, when you say it goes alongside the new Flash book. Um, it's, I, well, it's, it's in the current universe, apparently, I guess. I'm going to say this is the book you're most looking forward to coming out this week. It is not the book okay. I'm looking forward to the most. I made sure I had the writer and the artist. So you would think that, yeah. um, but it is green lantern. Number five, I actually wish, um, but I came back from New York. It was right after I came back from New York and I wasn't feeling hot and I was trying to keep it, the show short. Um, that Green Lantern flash team up issue uh-huh. that was last month was, and like Sinestro shows up for a little bit. I was enamored and I actually didn't get to read it until after the, uh, we did the episode, uh, where we would have talked about it. That right. was one of my favorite issues of the last like couple of months. I having Wally and Hal be buddies and, and solve a problem and not be filled with angst was the best Joe. What was Barry and Hal, right? I'm, Barry. I'm sorry, Barry. And Hal. Yeah. Cause I, I always go to Wally, but uh, yeah, it was really good. And I've been loving this book so much. Yeah. It's been really good. And I know uh, the second feature, the backup story uh, is not being written by, uh jeremy adams right but did you see and again it wasn't in the news because i'm just like eh, i don't know uh did you see what that second feature that backup story is leading to i know isn't it uh all i know is this sinestro in it? it uh sinestro jr oh okay yes uh it is pete tomasi who is doing the second feature 
uh, who did that Super Sons book that you liked all those years ago. Yes, yes. Uh, he is doing the Sinister Sons book, <laughs> where it's Sinestro Jr. and uh, General Grodd's son. I will not read that in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> I'm just, I'm no way. Uh, that doesn't sound fun at all. Or I will read that the day it comes out. <laughs> One or the other. You figure it out, Joe. I don't want to tip my hand for the week that comes out down the line. All right. Well, it's three months from now, minimally. Um, and, and I will say. Uh, I, I don't have enough Sinestro Jr. And I know he has a real name, but it's his mama named him Sinestro Jr. I'm going to call him Sinestro Jr. Right. Um, I'll definitely give the first issue a look, you know? Right. It'll That's go right cool. with my Super Sons collection. <laughs> That's what I figured. I'm like, oh, it's by the same creative team in that book that Todd liked. And instead of being the goody sons, it's the baddie sons. I love mm-hmm. it. Yeah. <laughs> Shows what I know. So good. Uh, well, again, I don't think we're done on Green Lantern discussion here because while you're over at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out the other stuff that Todd and I have been up to, whether it be past episodes of this show, past episodes of Longbox Heroes After Dark, or the current ongoing feature, Todd and Joe Have Issues, as we are nearing the end of The Endless. The Sandman, Neil Gaiman stuff is almost done, Todd. Mm-hmm. And this is the part of the show where I'm going to sit back and let Todd take over for as much as he can. Right. Uh, we are reading the first, uh, or actually the the next two chapters in Endless Nights, which is stories about uh, Dream, Morpheus, and Despair. Right. Um, chapters three and four of Endless Night. Um, so the first one is about Morpheus, as you say, Dream. And it's obviously Neil Gaiman with art by uh, Miguel Angslo Prado. Hoping I'm saying that right, but I didn't. Um, so this takes place, like, the, even the way they describe it in the beginning. It's like, you can't even imagine how many years ago this is. Like, they kind of do the bit where it's like, a bl- uh, in a blink of an eye, is this, is that. It's like, even further back than that. And uh, they also say it takes place uh, a, a long time ago and far, far away. But not in a galaxy, far, far away. Don't want to get sued. Um, where we meet uh, Kilala who is, you know, the uh, keeper of, like, one of the green flames kind of a thing. And she's blue-skinned, so she looks very familiar, Joe. Like, I don't know, there's something about green flames, blue skin. I don't know. So uh, Morpheus shows up and scares her, and we find out that they're traveling. She's traveling through the universe in this giant bubble, heading to this to this place with, uh, with Dream um, that they somebody created so they can have this, this group – these people meeting for a discussion as you will. Um, and they get greeted by this, this woman, the blue woman of flame kind of says like, you're here. Like what members of your family are here? What ones aren't? And one of them is named delight. So we definitely know this is a long, long time ago. Um, and dream is talking. He's like, Oh, you're going to get to meet my family. And he basically says, uh, you know, like Destiny's probably not going to be here because he doesn't leave his garden. But this I'm going to read. But Desire is already here, Joe. My love, you must meet Desire. They're dating. I I don't know if I mentioned that. Um, My favorite sibling, if such thing is possible. So funny. So kind. What? Joe, what? Well, again, so if you're not tipped off 
to this is taking a long time. Be- this is taking place a long time before all the Sandman stuff that we've read. Just you wait. Mm-hmm. So they're talking. And he's like, oh, like, you know, he kind of thanks Desire. He's like, oh, well, maybe before you thank me, you should introduce me. And he kind of desire, and he says, oh, this is Lady Kilala of the Glow from one of the young worlds called Oa. Joe, we've heard of that world, right? This all sounds very familiar, Todd. Right, and she is one of the five high priest, artist, police entities of her culture. Almost like she's going to create some space cops down the line. Um, but uh, they, they end up talking, and she's like, um, uh, another uh, fire person shows up. This one's red, and he's uh, kind of, they call him Rao, which is uh, very interesting. Um and he ends up, she ends up talking, Desire ends up talking to, like, to kill all. He's like, well, why did you thank you? He's like, well, he kind of, you know, maybe thinks uh, it was me who, who made you meet. Like, because he wanted someone, he was lonely, you know, and he believes that I did him a favor. So she's, he's kind of thinking, oh, Desire set me up, which was very nice of her. Him, uh, them, I'm sorry. Um, and he says, like, okay, we're, you know, this person created this place. Uh, we're going to have the discussion, uh, but you're, you know, you're going to be bored by it kind of a deal. Uh, but let's, you know, wander around. And, uh, somebody's like calling Rao is like my favorite red giant. And, you know, at this point you should start putting pieces together. If that makes sense. Um, but then there's this little yellow fire person and they're like, Oh, who's that? And it's like, that's soul. Um, he's very young and very like, like, you know, loopy kind of a thing, but he, he, I, I like him. He means well. He's like, he's the young of us, but, uh, you know, he's going to do great things. Death shows up, um, basically talks to him. He's like, you know, I'm not staying for your, for your group get together because no matter what you decide on, doesn't matter to me. So I'm kind of out of here, but they kind of, you know, cause it's death. that makes them all uncomfortable. Dream says, you know what, Kalala, this isn't, you know, your bag. Like if you think of your, room you'll go back so she's like oh and that just works she just immediately appears and she meets someone in the room who's this little red-haired girl but her eyes are the same color joe which is weird and we end up finding out that she's delight so we get to see uh delirium before uh you know the change that we never really found out what it is yet and she ends up talking to him and i like that there's a hint of color in her word balloons, but it's not like the hard color change. It's almost like there's not much distance between delight and delirium because delight still talks like fun and and wacky and stuff like that, but it's not off the deep end yet, but you could see delight getting to delirium from where we standing. If that makes any sense. It does. And I know you had mentioned real quick about um, death. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if you want to wait till the end of the story to talk about death. We can. But, yeah, okay, go ahead. I'll wait till Oh, if you want to now, we can't do it. It's up to you. Well, I was going to say, it very much feels, um, at this point in the timeline that we're seeing, that dream is more like death, and death is more like dream. Right, but, and the bit where we get, like, that one short story in one of the Winter's Edges, Joe, where... Uh, D- Death says that she learned very quickly that people hated her and along the lines she gave up the job and then somebody came and begged her and she went back and that's when she realized someone needed 
someone just to talk to be there at the end. And that's when she realized what her job was, but she hated it before that. So that story to me sets up this story. If that makes any sense. It does. So it's just, it's almost like Neil mapped all this out or something like that. Um, so I do like all the, the bits with, uh, delight and, uh, uh, you know, you're going to get to, to kind of, to meet the family and stuff like that. And then she's like, well, I have to go to the meeting and okay. I went and it's like, Oh, there's, there's a bit of, of, uh, delirium poking out there. Um, so we end up meeting, uh, destruction. That's the next of the endless that, that meets. And he's like, Oh, it's nice to meet you. Blah, blah, blah. And he kind of mentions something about desire. And then he's like, and, and with Morpheus, everything's like, oh, I speak out of turn. And I like that this isn't the boisterous destruction who's given up his realm and his duties. Um, the one who's tried to write poetry. This is the one who's very bad with words. And he just trips all over himself, trying not to give up too much of what's going on around her. And maybe what's going on with desire, if you know what I mean. I just kind of like it. He's out of sorts. He doesn't seem like the fun destruction that we met. It definitely feels like a lot of these characters, um, you know, obviously this is being written many, many years after many, many stories have been told about them. But this story is being specifically written to put them in a way that maybe I'm not going to say that they're uncomfortable in their roles, but they're still learning what their roles are. Right. Which is maybe what this uh, this committee is about. You know what I mean? Right. Could be. We, I, you know, we'll maybe find out. So the next person Kalala meets is uh, Destiny, who like we weren't sure uh, was going to come. And this is like one of the few times we get a straight on shot of Destiny down the hood and everything. And I kind of like it where he's kind of staring at her and he doesn't look nice. You know what I mean? And that's when she notices that he's blind. And I like that she's she offers to see. She's like, you're in this beautiful garden. Would you like me to make eyes for you? Because they're kind of she's got this like the green lantern power kind of he's like no um but he ends up saying you're a mortal woman and a millennium from now we decide the endless may not love mortals um and you will be discussed and remembered and talked many times in those discussions all of all that kalala takes from that is that he loves me you know what i mean um so we end up getting more of the meeting she's walking around talking to people and we get to see the different uh you know you know like the these different fire people talking um and she ends up meeting this the green fire person they're like talking like oh like they keep talking about stars and dimensions and galaxies and my lover's family and it's not making any sense like you don't know what this is all about and he's like she, she doesn't get it. He's like, well, let's go off. And we we kind of talk about it. He's like, well, who was the, the, the woman that was there? And she's like, oh, uh, that was death. He made everybody. He's his, his brother. And he's like, oh, all of us are kind of creeped out about it. And she ends up talking to him. And she's like, oh, I, my name. He's like, oh, my name is Stone. He's like, oh, that's a silly name. That's what we call our son on our planet. And he's like, uh, I am. I'm, I'm your son. All these, like, these these fire people they're not people they're the essences of like various suns from around the world and sandman's dream and death is death they're not you know the kings of these realms they're actually the 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 personifications of them she's like totally taken back by this she's like but you're my you're my star he's like yeah your son if you'll have me and they end up like kissing 
and she gets enamored like oh my my my, my actual star system son's here she kisses him and morpheus shows up and boy oh boy does he look unhappy joe um she's like i think he saw us or i think he's like i think he's always like oh man we're in trouble some say dream you know they say death is kinder than than he um he's like uh, she's like don't leave me he's like i won't so morpheus goes off back to the committee and we end up seeing despair who's the first despair this is a different one because we obviously find out in the story that she was killed at some point um so not only do we get to see delight before delirium but we finally get to see the first version of Despair. And she's talking with Rao, who's now the son of Krypton, the the star for Krypton, the red giant. And she's talking, was like, wouldn't it be just, you know, you know, uh, terrible if, uh, or interesting if the plant, you had one of your planets created that could blow up at any time. And, uh, you know, it'd be a perfect piece of art kind of deal. And he kind of, you can see he's, she's talking him into it. And this would be a perfect time for Lois Lane to time travel here, Joe, and stop despair from giving Rao this idea. But then <laughs> probably wouldn't work out because then they wouldn't send Superman. That's a big wibbly wobbly timey wimey. Um, so Morpheus shows up and he tells everybody like, uh, that Kilala sees desire and destruction. You know, she's with Stoa and they were kissing and he's like, desire knows all. And he's like, that's not all. And he's like, enough. You find this funny? And desire's like, yeah, it is. It's like love kind of a deal. He's like, I see. Then we are not friends, you and I, sibling, not any longer. Do not interfere in my affairs. And she's like, was that a joke? Like, it's like, Destruction's like, he don't know what a joke is. Like, relax. He's like, so I'm leaving. And they're like, well, what about your woman? He's like, she's with Stoa. I'm, they're going to the same place. She'll hitch a ride. Um, she's like, basically, you're Saul, the Earth son. He talks to him. He's like, I heard you say you have some planets planned. Is they were talking? He's like, yeah, but they haven't woken up yet. And he's like, yeah, but their dreams are beautiful. Um, Saul's like, you're welcome to my system anytime. He's like, I know. One day. And then we find out that the person telling the story is actually uh, our son telling Earth, who hasn't created life yet, what happened. And, you know, and he's like, oh, that's, that's nice. What happened to Kalala? She became one with the, they put her in the heart of the star. Um, and, you know, maybe someday uh, the Endless will hang out kind of on Earth. Um, I really like, I think... I don't want to give the ghost away too much, but I think this is the best of all the stories in this Endless Nights uh, hardcover. Uh, best of what we've read so far. Let's say mm-hmm. that. Um, okay. You know what I mean? Because I don't want to, like I said, I, don't, I know you've already read ahead. I read <laughs> this once when it came out, you know, 15 years ago or whatever it was. Um, best of what we've read so far. How about that? Fair enough. Fair enough. Right. Um, and I would just like to say Kalala is mentioned all the way back in Seasons of Mist. Oh, yeah? Yeah. If you go back to Seasons of Mist, Desire's like, you remember when they're in the in Des- Des- Destiny's uh, banquet hall and Desire winds up uh, Dream and he ends up, she talks about Nada and that's what, you know, gets death to chew him out. And he goes down to hell to, to, to free her, which, you know, kickstarts that story. She goes, well, what about, 
you know, Nada. What about that Greek woman that you liked? And what about that that green that green flame? Like he mentioned something about the green flame. So all the way back in Seasons of Mist, Neil had a, the Kalala story brewing in his head. That's Fantastic, fan- as far as I'm concerned. Unbelievable preparation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So on to the despair one, Joe. Yeah. 15 Portraits of Despair, which I know you love this story because I may have seen your post. Um, art by uh, Baron Story, uh, designs by Dave McKean. So it's a bit of a mix. Um, so basically it's told in um, 15 parts kind of a deal where it's the story of despair, but also mixed in is various of uh, people who are in states of despair. So we get one person who's a priest or a bishop who gets uh, – who gets basically called out for misbehavior, but we're not sure in the story if he actually did it or not, but he has despair because of that. Um, There's one about uh, a woman who's disabled, who needs a job and she gets cats in her life. And then she has this trailer that fills with cats and through a series of events, she goes off and leaves them alone. And it's kind of, kind of creepy there's another one about a guy who lost his job and every day he pretends to go to work until he runs out of money and then he starts robbing people and the cops show up at his door and he's crying as they knock um some of them are better than others the one that actually hit me the most was the woman who was sad with her life and she wandered out into the snow to freeze to death and at the end she died and uh they took she her ghost remained in that spot and she was so depressed she's like i as they watched her carry as she watched her carry her body away she sat there and waited for the happiness to start and that is one of the saddest lines that i've ever read um because obviously the sadness isn't going to end and then in the end like we get bits of despair and uh the other uh, bit that I like is the line is despair is what it, what happens when, when happiness stops or ends or whatever. But in the end, it's just big despair is going to get her hook. Cause that's her sigil into your heart. Um, I think there was some really good bits in here of the various stories that have despair and then trying to discuss despair. But I don't think despair is like, like desire even less is not a great character. Cause she is despair. Um, and they even say that like, it's like taking something out of a box. That's, that's what despair is. Despair is the despair in the box. You take it out and now all that's left is the empty box. And I'm like, there's not much you could do with that character. So the, the backstories are the best, uh, are the interesting part of the story, but not all of them are interesting. If that makes any sense. Um, and I guess you're going to say that the art didn't hit home for you. Uh, to say the art did not hit home for me is an understatement. Um, I guess that it's designed by Dave McKeon, but anyone else doing Dave McKeon who's not Dave McKeon, I can see what you're trying to do. Even if Dave McKean's telling you what to do, you ain't Dave McKean. And in some of the stories, obviously the more fleshed out ones that you're talking about, but then where you get to ones where it's just describing what dis despair is whether it be the endless character or just despair in general they start playing with the way the font is and they start playing with the way that the words are working into the the pictures as well and it just gets muddled and confusing and 
again, swing and a miss, let's say, on this. Did you say I'm sorry? Swing and a miss. Okay. I don't hate it, but not swing and a miss. I like obviously I will almost never say a story is a miss, um, just because I'm hardwired that way, but not one of my favorite of Endless Nights. Sure. And then uh so that's it from here, right? Right, and then we uh, we're gonna do the last three chapters in one fell swoop from Endless Nights. Yep, and that's uh, um, Delirium, Destruction, and Destiny in that yes. order. Yes, in that okay. Uh, yeah, so that'll wrap that up, and then from here on out, it's a little bit more um, smooth sailing, if you will. Uh, the right. only things that we have left uh, in full to read are Dream Hunters and Overture. Right, which are, uh, what, 10 issues altogether, I think. Yep, and that's going to lead us right up to the end of the year. And if you listen to After Dark last week, of course, we'll mention it here. Next year, we've made the decision uh, for 2024, we will be rereading Gail Simone's Secret Six. Right. Uh, and that includes some other stuff, Villains United stuff, uh, some single-issue stuff. Um, some one shots, some crossovers with books like Doom Patrol and Suicide Squad, right. among Birds of Prey. But it's anything written by Gail Simone with these core characters. And once we get there at the beginning of or end of 2023 into 2024, we'll have the full reading list up uh, in one of the Todd and Joe have issue posts when those come out. Right. And one last thing on Sandman. As of tomorrow, or maybe the next day as we record this. I'll know if that Helm edition is coming next week. Gotcha. That's right. So. Um, by like 2 o'clock Eastern time is when the diamond list is like 99% settled. And then by Friday we have the 100% thing because everything needs to go out to hit the stores for right. the following week. Right. So, and we'll, and I and they haven't dropped the price on the uh, San Diego Comic Con Helm Edition yet. It's still at two thousand three hundred and fifty dollars. I was going to make an offer, but I'm well, afraid you make an offer. It. Well, Christmas is coming. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, don't worry. I'm listen. I <laughs> I just looked. It's, they dropped it another fifty bucks. It's two thousand three hundred or best offer. So listen, fifty dollars a week. 52 weeks in a year. Eventually, it's going to be free. Ooh, that is true. <laughs> That's my dream, pun intended. So we have, um, of course, the ESPN Pigs Can Pick'ems. Thank you, Todd, for sending out reminders to everyone to make your picks. As we speak, you and I are both in that big group of about 17 people that seem to be all tied for eighth place. Yep. Uh, we're all, you know, uh, you know, have the same amount of wins. So I'm hoping to pull away this week. I'm hoping your, you know, random scattershot way of picking all at once at the beginning of the season is starting to fail you. If not, there are a thousand excuses I'm going to use to as why I lost. Perfect. Uh, so also, of course, um, T public, is having a sale for pretty much the rest of November. Uh, from now until the 19th, anything through the Public store is 35% off. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have any monies right now, from the 20th to the 28th, everything is 40% off. So, Ooh. again, rest of the month, 
Yeah, uh, I, I forget if we mentioned it last week, but they've gone away. Most retailers, online or otherwise, have gone away from doing Black Friday sales, and just all of November is a Black Friday sale. I think we should get back to just Black Friday sales and having, you know, doorbuster sales and people getting trampled. I miss the good old days, Joe. I I agree. People mm-hmm. know too much and sales are going on and I'm scanning SKU numbers and I know stuff's on the truck. Listen, yeah. we, we have too much information and it's ruining Christmas. It is. I want to see people get trampled. Yes. Uh, so... One way to uh, have people not be trampled is to sign up for our Patreon, and that's patreon.com slash longboxheroes. For as little as a dollar a month, you are going to get two bonus shows from Todd and myself. One, previewing the past, where we look at 30 years ago this month's previews catalog. Uh, Also, the movie show this year, and probably rolling into next year, it's comic book oddities, where we're looking at some of the lesser-known maybe purposely forgotten pre-Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, movies. And I know this month we're going to be watching the Pamela Anderson classic, Barb Wire, which I've never seen, and Todd has seen intimately, I guess, several times. Um, yes, I've fallen asleep to Barb Wire a few times. <laughs> so, uh, obviously, the $5 level is going to get this first before everyone else. The dollar folks are going to get previewing the past November later on this week. No matter what level that you're at, you're going to get the full scans of the previews catalogs as well. Expertly done, high quality, each and every month in your inbox. There, and also the $5 and up folks are going to get After Dark two days before everyone else, so you can listen to these shows in the correct listening order. That's right. Uh, And lastly, but not leastly, before we get into the TV movie portion of the show, uh, you can make any and all of your purchases on eBay through our eBay affiliate link. Uh, This page contains affiliate links for eBay. We may receive a small commission on purchases that you make. You can use this affiliate link anytime you want to buy anything on eBay and support us at the same time. I had somebody bring up the eBay link to me the other day while we were watching the foosball. Yes. Um, they say they said, how's the eBay link working out for you? And I looked at him and he goes, I can tell. He goes, by the exuberance that you guys do every time you read it. He goes, that's all. Well, let's, let's change that this week. Go look up something on eBay. Give us a purchase. Find a, a used item, a gently used item. Uh, uh, go San see Diego a, helm. A, a San Diego helm. Uh, purchase the McDonald's Crocs through it. Whatever to your heart's content, right? There you go. Uh, so that ends this portion of the show. Let's get into TV and movie discussion. Right. Uh, so we'll talk about Starting TV. with what I wanted to watch, what I saw first, which is Marvel's, a.k.a. Captain Marvel 2. I think we should start with the Lokis first. You sure? Sure. Let's Let's do that. I really want to talk about Marvels right now. I know, I know, but I feel the, that's the order they came out in. So, oh, not the order. No, I watched them. Okay, all right, right. right. You make a good point. I'm a point maker. That's what they call me. <laughs> so, uh, so this is the season finale of episode two, or see, or season finale, season two of Loki, and uh, so, Todd, you're more the time traveling Doctor Who fan. Yes. On a scale of 1 to 10, where do we put this episode of Loki on the Doctor Who scale? Uh, it 
is five TARDISes. But if I watched it in the Tokyo Dome, it would have been seven TARDISes. There you go. I love that you make that reference. <laughs> I know. I do that just for you. So Thank you. So, you know, obviously last week's episode was everything kind of fails. Uh, Loki gets the knowledge of, you know, how to kind of sort of fix things. And he figures out how to control his time slipping. Mm-hmm. And a good chunk of this episode is him doing his time slipping. And keep moving back and back and back further and further and further. Trying to make things go faster. It took Loki a little bit too long to figure out that, like, instead of me showing up at this exact point, maybe I should go back a little bit earlier. And mm-hmm. still tell them to go fast. Maybe come in a little earlier, a little earlier, a little earlier. Um... Obviously, he he has all the information. He knows how it's going to work out. And I love the bit where he says to Ob, and uh, and again, I feel so bad. I forget the other guy's name there. With Casey. Casey. He's like, well, how long would it take for me to have the knowledge of mechanics, physics, and engineering that you have? And they're like, weeks, months, years, maybe even centuries. And then we get the scroll that comes up that says centuries later and we're right back to where we are and Loki has all that knowledge that was a fun bit um but oh go ahead I was just saying I like too because like and it's it's Groundhog Day for Loki you know what I mean yes that's what it is tried and true Doctor Who all that stuff I'm really loving and it feels good but I love the bit when it comes to he's like I think I figured everything out I think I've gotten it you know that I that I got there early enough. You've taught me enough. Now all we have to do is get you know him to the end of the ramp and launch the thing. And it's him never being mean, never being like cocky Loki or condescending Loki. He's just like, remember, don't put it down and roll off the gantry. Don't do this. And he's just so supportive and so calm. It's like I've done this. 100 billion times and it, it just co- it becomes off uh, effortlessly ho-hum in a good way i don't know if i'm putting that right you know what i mean you are it's just so it's such a great scene so a lot of it and there's a couple bits where uh mobius is saying things mm-hmm. and loki is eventually as we see the scene repeat out loki's saying it at the same time as mobius saying it before Mobius says it. So they're like saying it at the same time, but Loki's just like a split second ahead of him. Mm -hmm. And that's the one person that he has that little bit of a different rapport with where he's not being mean to him. He's not being condescending. He's not being whatever, but he could kind of be like, yeah, yeah, I know you're going to say this to him. Right. And And Mobius is picking it up. He's like, what's going on here? And, And right. And whether it's consciously or subconsciously that, Loki or Mobius is starting to pick up that there's more going on here. Uh, so they finally get it to work. They finally get uh, timely down to the end of the line. He puts the thing in the thing. He hits the green button, even though it sticks a little bit. It sticks sometimes, yep. And it's it's one of those things where he hits it the first time. And I'm sure there's a take out there. I'm sure there's a timeline. I'm sure there's a moment where he hits it that first time and it doesn't work. He goes through it, hits it that first time, and it doesn't work. Loki's like, maybe hit it a second time. 
but he's very calm. He's like, well, you got to hit it a second time. Sometimes it sticks a little bit, right? Yep. Very calmly, very coolly, very collectively. He shoots the thing in, but their whole plan does not matter because there's too many branches for the loom. They're continuing to duplicate. And it's at this point. Um, so it's, is it Obi says that you can't scale for infinity? infinity somebody says it yes and that's when they realize the plan is doomed no matter what unless we go back to the end of season one and stop sylvie from killing kang you 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 call him he who remains i call him kang it's kang He's the man who he who is remains, I always say after yeah. this, because he's died. But yes, and I'm sure it'll go just way easier than trying to fix the loom, right? Right. And listen, we could all sit here and say Jonathan Major's a bad person. It seems as though he's got a lot of uh, personal issues uh, that are so uh, bad and wide-sweeping um, that Marvel is maybe even considering changing the next phase of their films. Woohoo! I mean, aww. Um, but boy, this scene with him and Loki, they are just chopping it up, man. They're acting their butts off. This is the first time I've loved, uh, not, okay, I almost said the L word, liked any version of Kang, He Who Remains, a variant, a more, you know what I mean? Like, him doing, like, Basically, this is us talking. I was like, okay, he's got some gravitas, but it's too late as far as I'm concerned. But that's neither here nor there. Um, again, we get to the point where Loki repeatedly tries to stop Sylvie from killing Kang and keeps coming back. And eventually Kang stops time and says, I know what you're doing. You can keep trying. But if you haven't even figured out how to stop time yet, then you're lost. And he gets to deliver his whole soliloquy. He starts time back up. And then Loki stops time. And he's like, who said I didn't do it? You know? Right. Who says this is the first time we talked? Yes. He's just trying to figure out a different way, a better way to avoid Sylvie. From killing Kang, but without killing Sylvie. Right. And he he gets to the point where Kang says to him, there is only two options. It's you either let the loom break, which is the failsafe, or you kill Sylvie. Those are your only two options. Mm-hmm. So Loki then goes back to the end of episode five. Where for the first time we see everything start to unravel, and it's just him and Sylvie left in that room. And he and Sylvie have that conversation where it's like, listen, to fix this, I need to kill you. And she's like, essentially, like, there's got to be another way. And that's the inspiration for Loki to figure out that, yes, there is another way. Right. That's her. She doesn't she say something like that would be us playing gods? Yes. And he's which like, is Ooh. what he is, um, which is what he has been being accused of from the very first episode of the series, right? Where he always said he just had glorious purpose, right? So 
he he gets this moment, and before he does, he goes back and has that conversation with Mobius from the back, the beginning, episode one of season one, and kind of lets Mobius know everything that's going on, and kind of asks him, mm-hmm. "What do I do in a situation like this?" And Mobius tells a story where they had an anomaly, a variant showed up that they had that was going to be responsible for the death of. 5,000 people, and they get there, and it was an 8-year-old kid, and this person, who we later find out is Mobius, hesitated. And the person that he was with, who we later find out is Renslayer, does not hesitate. And does the job that they were sent there to do, but the fact that Mobius hesitated, people still died. Mm -hmm. And I think Loki needed to hear this story from someone who has, he has seen as his friend and all of this. And this is what now gives Loki the impetus to not become the God King that he's always wanted to be, not to be the ruler of everything that he wanted to be, but to actually fix things. He may not be there with his friends to enjoy these moments that they are going to be able to live for, but on that walk that Victor Timely was being sent down, Loki makes the walk. And the Loki that we've seen during the majority of the series stripped away, and he looks like we saw him in the Avengers movies and all the other movies. The outfit, the cape, the horns, and everything oh, else. Love the horns. Love the horns. And he gets there, and he doesn't stop the loom. He reaches out, and he's grabbing the branches, and he's healing them. And then he continues. And now, at least for now, he will forever be sitting out in the vastness of space. It's less of a loom and it's more of a tree when it gets Mm -hmm. turned sideways. And Loki is going to be there to make sure that all the branches remain intact and to make sure that all of the branches remain healed. It's almost like he's becoming from the god of trickery or lies to the god of stories or something like that, Joe. Like in the comic, you know? It, it, it's it's great character development for this character. Mm-hmm. And, of course, everybody else gets their little bit of closure. Their storylines get wrapped up. Um, you know, everybody's back working at the TVA. Um, we get to see that there's now a second edition of the TVA manual. And Mobius gets that moment where he goes back and he gets to see himself living with his two sons, with the jet ski in the in the driveway. And he doesn't go back. He just stands there and watches and lets kind of time go by. Yeah. Just lets time go by. Um, So. You know, there was right, discussion. Oh, go ahead. I'll let you want... make your remarks, and then I'll kind of give my my right. final thoughts. You know, right. but there's one important thing that that I think is very, very, very important is when they rewrite the TVA manual, nobody puts it on Victor Timely's windowsill. Yes, there's they, a bit they... where he's doing the thing, and he hears something, and he looks is where he would have found the 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 thing. So did they stop? Him from becoming he who remains Kang. Like, I don't know, but if you know, he has nothing to do with the the the, the time agency anymore. Because he created it in the beginning. Yes. 
But that's my one, you know, comment. So I know there was a lot of discussion in the Discord in regards to this, yay or nay. And I feel as though a majority of the people did not like this show. Right. Um, I will say it was definitely uneven. Right. But the high highs were high, man. Yeah, the high highs were high. The low lows were low. I think we talked last week and said that if this was a movie, that this was this is one of the rare Disney Plus shows that I think did not benefit from it being serialized. If, you know, you cut out the beginnings, you cut out the recaps, you cut out all that stuff and just take those chunks of the actual narrative, maybe trimmed a thing here or there, and you put this out at about a two-hour-and-change movie that everyone gets to consume from beginning to end in one sitting, I feel as though people would feel differently about this. I don't know. I think a lot of it has to do, as, as we discussed in the in the, the the Discord, it has a lot to to do with Jonathan Majors. I think that's what's leaving a bad taste in everybody's mouth. You know what I mean? Um, but I, I I think it would have been liked better, but I don't know how much better. I don't see people changing their mind on it uh, on consuming it in one sitting because they would have got to the to the lows and would have went, eh, I'll get to the next episode whenever I get to it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't know if that makes any sense, you know? It does. It does. But well, at least Miss Minutes is back and that's all that matters. Right. And we can't guarantee that she won't kill everyone. Right. I don't think she's going to be Jocasta though, Joe. No, again, that was a lot of rumor and innuendo, speculation online, as it were, right? Right. But you know what I remember now? And I saw somebody put it out online back when uh, they were doing the AIs. And I think it was the AI for either Spider-Man or uh, when he took Jarvis out of his... It was when Tony took Jarvis out of his suit and made the AI into Vision. He needed a new AI, and that's when it became Friday. And he had all these flash drives... And it said, like, Friday on one, another name on another. And he had a flash drive with Jocasta on it. So I was like, oh, okay. When somebody showed me that, I was like, mm, I wonder if, you know, we've we've burned through Jocasta now. We can't do that. It would contradict the thing that happened in a movie eight years ago. Hmm. Just kidding. I We could see it happening. You could fix anything you want with these movies. That's the magic of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, right? Right. Especially with the, with the loom being destroyed and all these stories coming together. Yeah. So, on to the Marvels. Mm-hmm. Not Captain Marvel 2. It's the Marvels. Right. So, uh, because I was planning to go see this with my, fo- with my folks, with my wife and my son, mm-hmm. we ended up watching Captain Marvel 1 Friday night before we went to go see it. I had seen it before. They had never seen it. Um, and then we watched, like, a little 11-minute thing uh online that kind of gave you the recap of stuff right and then the movie itself gives you the recap of captain marvel one so you were all recapped up so technically we didn't really need to watch captain marvel one before we went to go see captain marvel two we just had a even if we didn't watch that 11 minute video i think we would have been okay because they give you enough of a recap in the movie itself um but i will say this uh re-watching it i forgot how fun the first captain marvel movie was i am a guy who thinks people give that first Captain Marvel movie a bad rap. Yeah. I don't think it's terrible. Um, I don't think it's the greatest Marvel movie ever, but I had I liked it. 
Yeah. Um, you know, it was it was what it was. Um, I would like to say my story of going to see Captain uh, or the Marvels was uh, so I decided I tried to get uh, your other co-host Adam to go with me. He's like, I got no interest. It's Disney Plus. Uh, it's a Disney Plus watching for me. I'm like, okay, that's fine. Um, and he didn't get back to me, so I didn't get to go to the time that I wanted to. So I was like, I'll go to the nine whatever at the Regal Theater up here. No uh, bells and whistles, 2D. You know what I mean? No IMAX. I'm like, I'll go up on my own, whatever. I've seen a movie alone before. I'm not pathetic or anything like that. So I I go up and uh, I walk through the, the door and I come around the corner and there's two people sitting towards the front. And I noticed when I got my ticket, because you pick that there's only four people in the theater. And I come around the, the corner and all I hear is, oh, and I look up and it's DJ and Brett. Oh, look at that. In Dixon. And I was like, what are you doing all the way down here? And they're like. Oh, well, we went for sushi in Wilkes-Barre, and then we went to, we were going to go to Cinemark to watch the movie, but we didn't want the Bells and Whistles one, and for some reason, they had like a whole hour and 15 minute gap between that and the next one, so they're like, well, let's just drive to Dixon. They're running the the regular like every 20 minutes, so we just happened to to watch, and that's why he said in, in the Discord that uh, the theater was filled with jerks, because it was just me, <laughs> pretty much. But uh, that was cool. So we ended up getting to watch the movie, and then I got to get like Brett and DJ's opinion on it after the movie was over. So, yeah. So, you know, again, I'm not really sure how much we could talk about this movie because, um, you know, it, it was good. I liked the movie. I thought it was fun. I thought it was fun. That's the best way to put it. And that's what I see a lot of people saying. And I think that is its second biggest problem. It's biggest. Well, okay. So the fact that it's just fun is its third biggest problem. Oh my god! Its biggest problem is the fact that there was a strike going on, and the people involved in the movie could not go out and do promotion for the film. Right. Fair enough. The second biggest problem with the movie is that because the people involved with the movie um, were not able to go out and do promotion for the movie. Promotion for the movie was left in the hands of people online like you and I. And Todd, you and I are in the minority when it comes to positivity online. Yeah. A majority of the people online were, to see this movie, you've had to have seen all the other Marvel movies, plus you needed to have seen uh, WandaVision, Secret Invasion... And what was the other one? There was a third one that you had to have seen all of as well. I don't know off the top of my head, but I can't, I can't think right now. But there was like another show that you needed to see all three of the. Oh, and Kamala Khan, duh, Kamala Khan, right? Yeah, she's in this, right? She's so. in this, Miss Marvel, right? So if you have not seen all the previous movies plus these three Disney Plus shows, don't even bother with this movie. You'll be lost. I don't think that's fair, and that's not fair. But that was a majority of the online discourse involving this movie. Okay. And I feel because of that, not a lot of people saw this, already had a negative opinion of the movie before they even got a chance to see it. And then let's say that you decided, like, I want to go see Marvels. I'm going to watch all these movies, or I've already seen most of them. But I'm going to watch these three shows so that I'm caught up. And then you go see the Marvels. And outside of Kamala Khan, Miss Marvel, you didn't really need to watch those other shows because they fill you in. 
and the movie especially because everything with like you know Captain Marvel destroying the supreme intelligence, which I'm glad we finally got to see. It's all right there in the in her description of what you know what I mean. Yes. So. So, I think if you go and you watch those things, and Kamala Khan is a very light and a fun show. Scarlet Witch or WandaVision was very good, but a very deep, dark time dark show. show. Secret Invasion, hit or miss, but also a very dark show. And you go and you watch these things, and you go see the Marvels, and it's just a light, fun movie. Mm-hmm. And like your tone can get thrown off by it too, right? Right. So uh, the the basic gist of this is the continuation of the Kree and the Scroll. Um, we're at a point where it looks like we're going to reach an impasse in regards to all of this. Uh, but while this is going on, there's a Cree lady who's uh, like Ronan the Accuser Part Two. Yeah, who's like she Ro- has a name, and I don't even know what it was. That's one of my problems with the movie. But go ahead. So I, and again, not a big deal, but another part of my problem is that because the makeup and the gimmick that she had on, she looked very much like Maya Rudolph, and it wasn't Maya Rudolph. Okay. All right. Trust me. <laughs> so she goes and she finds the other Kamala Khan band. The Bangles. The Mark Bangles. Right. And with this, she's she gets an increase in power, and she's able to open up like all these doorways to travel throughout the galaxy. Mm-hmm. And this is causing the three people that have the light-based powers, uh, Monica Rambeau, Carol Danvers, Kamala Khan, that any time... What? Not Photon yet. Not Photon yet. She doesn't have a code name. Um, Lieutenant Trouble was what her no, nickname was as a kid, and they don't pick that. Um, but anytime they use their powers, they switch places. Mm-hmm. So now... With all this going on, Carol Danvers shows up at the negotiations, and she has the reputation as the one who killed the Supreme Intelligence. The Annihilator. So now, what? The Annihilator. The Anni- She's the Annihilator. So now the evil Kree lady is like, you dare bring the Annihilator here to these peace conferences. Peace talks off. You're all going to die, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So now we have our villain we have her motivation, we have our heroes, and their powers are all wonky. So we get a bunch of stuff with them working together to try to figure out how to coordinate so they could use their powers and not be in a situation where they're going to, like, you know, be falling from the sky, which we get bits of before, right? And the Kree lady is like, well, because of you killing the Supreme Intelligence... You took the sun from us. You took the water from us. You took all of our natural resources from us. And the first thing that she does, and she goes and she steals the light. Or no, what's the first thing that she takes? The air. The air from the, the air. scroll world. The air from the scroll world is the first thing that she takes. And the second thing is like, well, she says all these things that we took. Natural resources. Well, what's the next one she's going to go for? They take the chance and say she's probably going to go for water. So they go to this planet that's like 98% water, and it just so happens that it's a race of aliens that only speak through song. And it just so happens that through due to a bunch of um, necessities. Would, necessities and so forth that uh, uh, Carol Danvers, Captain Marvel, had to marry their prince. So she's the princess of the place. And luckily, he's bilingual that he speaks both regular speaking and singing singing. 
Um, and again, it's a fun movie. So they're there to say like, hey, she's coming. We're going to help. We need your help. Get your armies together. And so one we- of my favorite bits in the singing thing yes. is when Monica and Ms. Marvel are there while, you know, Brie, Larson, Kevin Marvel's dancing with the king, the prince. And basically he sings to Monica that maybe she should smile more. Mm-hmm. Cracked me up. Cracked me up because that was like the whole uh, knock on the first Captain Marvel movie. Yeah. Was that Brie Larson did smile? I was like, that's a good in joke. I like that. But anyway, go ahead. Um, so then the next stop is that they're going to do is they're going to go to Earth. And the evil Kree lady is going to steal the sun to reignite the sun amongst the Kree homeworld, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and while she's doing this, the uh, it's not is it sword? What's it called? I think it is is sword or spear. I forget. Right. So whatever it is, saber, yeah, saber. There you go. So saber is being um, destroyed, and they have all the people there. But also while they're on saber on their ship, they find like all these weird cocoons all over the place. Mm-hmm. And it appears as though Goose, the flurkin, is having babies. And all, <gasps> baby and all, flurkins. And the little, all the little baby flurkins are all over the place. And because of the damage, they need to evacuate. But they only have two escape pods. So they get the brilliant idea to have all the little adorable baby kitten flurkins run around the ship and sucking up the people because it's easier to get 300 kittens into two ships as opposed to getting 300 people into two ships. Right, because everybody knows flurkins are bigger on the inside. That's right. They're like a cat version of a TARDIS, maybe? Yes, I was going to do some cat TARDIS joke, but... Yeah, so like, there's a bunch of like fun set pieces and stuff like this, right? And the movie's fun. You you, you didn't really need to see all the other stuff, and I think people should go see it and give it a chance. And, you know, so they save everyone off the, the, the Saber ship, they all crash land on Earth, and the, the Flurkin are spitting the people up. Um, <laughs> they have the final battle with the evil scroll or the evil Cree lady, and uh, it's too late. Uh, there's too much power absorbed into the things because of all the different wormholes and portals and everything else that she had opened. So it appears as though Monica Rambeau goes and sacrifices herself uh, to stop everything. Uh, Carol Danvers and Kamala Khan go back to... Uh, Monica Rambeau's family home and that's where Kamala Khan and her family are going to stay with Carol Danvers while they sort this whole mess out and uh, again it was just a fun movie and then we'll talk about the post credit scene or the mid credit scene here in a second yeah um, like I said I, I really enjoyed it. if I had any problem with the movie and like we're being you know honest here I'm not going to be like oh negative 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 but it's one of the problems that I have with a lot of the Marvel movies is that the villains are cookie cutter and throw away and we just kill them and they're gone. You know what I mean? Um, it's like, okay, this this character, she shows up and they kind of beat her just by like pushing her out in space. It's like, all right, now we're on to the next. We got to go to the end of chapter three to end this show, the movie. And I'm like, okay, she she's not very, you know, great. But I did like bits throughout the movie like Kamala marking out for meeting Captain Marvel. And then when they're on the scroll world and Captain Marvel has to make choices, it's like, okay, we have to let people not, we don't want to let people die. And that's what I like, you know, about certain other movies that they're like, oh, people are just going to die all around. That's what happens. But no, they discuss it. She talks to Kamala, like, I don't want to do this, but if we don't leave now, everybody dies. And that kind of hurts Kamala. And I'm like, 
this is how it should be done in a movie. Like if the heroes lose, it's not because they didn't try. You know what I mean? They tried. They couldn't save everybody, but they saved somebody. And there was, and I know this, there was like no joke, no funny barb or whatever. It's just Kamala like, that's terrible. And that just, there was, there was high spots all through this movie. And, uh, and I'll just get out of the way, be a tad greasy. Just, I think the star of the movie was, uh, was Brie Larson's tank top. That's all I'm going to (laughs) say. Doing a lot of heavy lifting in that movie. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, so like I said, I enjoyed it. It was a fun movie. My kid liked it. My wife liked it. And you know, that's the most important thing is when the general populace give it a chance and go see it and they, they consume the stuff and they don't consume the stuff like people like you and I do. Right. That they understand it and like it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But, uh, I, I, I will say this. Um, I was watching and when they, when Monica went into the other dimension, I was like, Oh, it's an alternate world. If only there was some group or team there that could help her get back somehow, that would be great. But I don't know if we're going to get that. So, well, you know, obviously, we, the part of Monica's uh, character arc is that her mom and Carol were friends, and she was just a little kid. Uh, Monica went away in the snap, the blip, whatever we call it. She was the gone blip. for five years, and while Monica was gone, her mom had passed away from cancer. Yep. Well, she wakes up in a room, you know, with these powers and saying this is her name. And the woman in her room is her mother. A variant. A variant of her mother, still alive, wearing the photon costume. Binary. Binary, my apologies. The binary Captain Marvel costume. And then the uh, medical professional who's assisting them comes into the room. And he should know because he's Frasier. Uh-huh. I hear the mutants calling, toss salad and scrambled jeans. So again, she's in the X Men universe, right? Right. Um, the only problem I had with it is they didn't do the X Men cartoon song like they've been doing the whole time. Right. Just softly in the background, you know. Right. And then the other thing was me and me and DJ were sitting there and we're like. This is Fantastic Four. We're standing up and cheering, even though we hate when people do that in movies. We're standing up and cheering. And then she's laying in the, the medical bay, and somebody walks by with a white coat, and you see a hint of blue. And me and DJ are just like, oh, 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 oh it's the beast. We're like, I still love it, but if it was Reed, I would have lost my mind. Yep. This is the beginning, officially, right? Right. Of them starting to mix these worlds together. But let me ask you a question. I hear a lot of that. Didn't it mix together when we saw Professor Xavier in Doctor Strange? That doesn't count? That doesn't count? Does it count? Well, if we're seeing Beast, what more do you want than Xavier? So, I'm going to say the Xavier stuff kind of counts only because um it was an alternate reality version of everyone else as well and because he was in the gold chair and we heard the x-men 92 cartoon theme song while it was patrick stewart playing him it was not 1999 sony pictures x-men it was animated series come to life, Charles Xavier. Oh, now, you mean that it, 1990s X-Men movie with binary in it? 
Well, okay. Binary was in the binary was in the cartoon. This mm-hmm. could turn out to be the live action version of the animated series, and this is how we get around this sort of stuff. But mm-hmm. the fact that Charles was in a room with alternate reality versions of different people that we knew or didn't know, uh, John Krasinski as Reed Richards, right? Right. And I think they've already come out and said that he's not going to be playing Reed Richards in the upcoming Fantastic Four movie. I think I even saw rumor and innuendo online that we're going to get the casting announcement sometime in the next week. Right. I think it's going to be Chris Evans as Johnny Storm. Fingers crossed. <laughs> um, but let's see if we get more than just one or two characters interacting with people before we really start saying, like, okay, it's official now. All the universes are crossing over. Mm-hmm. I definitely feel as though in the Doctor Strange movie, it was just, let's you know, whatever you want to say, it was that Xavier plucked out to come mm-hmm. to this meeting of the Illuminati type folks. This in Captain Marvel 2 shows that people from, you know, the mainline Marvel Cinematic Universe can travel over to the Sony Pictures or the Fox Studios right. uh, picture universe, right? Now we need the Corman Fantastic Four. Yes. Now, granted, we already saw some of this happen in uh, Sp- the, the last Spider-Man movie. Mm-hmm where we saw the different iterations of Spider-Man all interacting with each other. But that's Spider-Man, and Spider-Man could do whatever he wants. And again, as much as I like the the movie, they definitely just did that because the animated thing did so well. And they're like, well, we could do it in live action, right? Right. Um, But this could have just been a fan service-y thing. And it means nothing. I don't think it means nothing just because Monica Rambo is over there and we need her back and we haven't named her Photon yet. So that's true. All right. Well, we got a lot to think about, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but that'll be for next week. We're going to do the thinking uh, over the next seven days and then we'll come back and we'll report back to you. Right. Right. So we have no shows or movies for next week then. Correct. We get a week off and then we get three. Three glorious weeks of Doctor Who's specials. That's right. Glorious purpose. Mm. Uh, I have the episode. Did I did I include the episode names in my uh, notes? The Star Beast, Wild Blue Yonder, and The Giggle. Well, listen, I'm not laughing. I'll just say that. <laughs> I didn't see anybody laughing. Did you? No, not at these. Um... <laughs> But I kid Todd because I love we'll be talking about Doctor Who in two weeks. Um, next week will be a nice light show for the holidays. But thank you, everyone, for listening uh, all the time, this time, every time. This was episode 684 of Longbox Heroes. Again, for Todd, this is Joe saying catch you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain.
You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Networks. The Rob is a long box hero. The Rob is a long box hero. He gives us five five stars. 